Welcome to Future Out Loud from the School for the Future of Innovation in Society at Arizona State University. I'm Heather Ross. Together with Andrew Maynard, we bring you conversations with experts on and off campus where we think out loud about our collective future. In today's episode, Andrew and I were solo as we tackled the issue of 3D printing and specifically 3D printing of firearms. Now, this is an issue that has been in the news recently. We recorded this at the beginning of August 2018. And just before we recorded this episode, there was a uh, judge intervention to prohibit the publishing of plans for 3D printing guns. We talked about it anyway because there are some really, you know, conflicting issues of liberty and um, sort of self-policing versus government regulation and oversight. And this isn't specific to firearms, though there are, of course, very particular issues with firearms and public safety. So I hope that you enjoy this episode. One note, you may have noticed that the Future Out Loud podcast has been a little bit more sporadic recently. Part of that is, of course, the summer months. And as academics, the summer months are a little bit different than during the usual academic year. In addition, I am stepped back mainly from my role at ASU for a short period of time because of some other public activities. And so I wanted to just make sure that you had that note available. And as always, we're grateful that you listen to the Future Out Loud podcast, even when we only bring it to you sporadically. So please, if you're not already subscribed, go ahead and subscribe to Future Out Loud in places like uh, the Apple Podcast Store or Google Play or SoundCloud or Stitcher. And please do tell your friends. We'd love to hear from them too and have them with you participating in our community at Future Out Loud. So without further ado, on with Andrew and me talking about 3D printing of guns. We are here to talk about 3D printing of firearms. Yes. So we are recording this, uh, and if you hear the sounds of a feline, do not be alarmed because there's a cat walking around. Um, we're recording this right after uh, a federal judge blocked the release of uh, 3D printing uh, blueprints, right? Right, right, yes. Uh, for for people to be able to sell, it, was it sell or oh, just distribute? Oh, just, just. Well, my understanding is that these were to be distributed so people could three um, D print mm-hmm. their own firearms, and these are actually um, plans that have been around for some time now. Indeed, yes, yes. for some time. And uh, but the concern is, and I think the concern has always been but feels augmented now in 2018, given the national conversation right. that we're having about firearms and firearm deaths and, and mm-hmm. violence, gun violence. Um, you know, should this be legal? Right. Should it be allowed? Should people be able to 
3D print their own gun. Right, right. And of course, and if you look at the media, just over this last few days, there's been a lot of coverage of this and a lot of concerns. And mm -hmm. certainly people that I've spoken to have almost thrown their arms up in dismay mm -hmm. and said, who knew that 100,000 people, for instance, had downloaded these plans and people could be right. printing guns in their garage and using them. So I think the, the sort of the, the public feeling is that well, certainly amongst the people I talk to, not everybody, is mm -hmm. that this is a bad thing. But mm -hmm. I think there's actually quite a lot underneath the story that, that maybe needs to be dug into. Yeah, absolutely. And, and let's dig. But let's uh, first set some... Uh, uh, normative <laughs> right. guidelines and so, expectations. So, so, so what exactly is this, I, I guess? Well, I what exactly of, yeah. is it? But even, you know, being very cognizant of the um, socio-cultural space that we are in today right. and um, being cognizant of the really heated and dynamic and forward political conversation that there is around firearms and gun violence and or right. gun control, let's be clear about some things. Um, and I'm going to say some things and you can agree or disagree, but there is of very course. little. I, that's I'm sure change we'll disagree. From, I mean, being yeah. a Brit, you know, I'm going to be pro-gun, of course. Really, really, <laughs> no, of course muskets, not. muskets, yes. perhaps. I think everything stopped there. Yes. Yes. No. no. So I am very, 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 very much in support of universal background checks mm. and truly universal background checks for firearm purchases and ownership. And that's something that I've been very clear about in a public sphere. And I am very clear as well that that is in line with the vast majority of Americans, including gun owners right. in America. And, and when I say vast majority, we're talking about upwards of 80% of Americans are in favor of universal background checks. Right. And one of the, th I also am in favor of innovation and technology innovation. And so it would seem that these things might be at odds. Yes. Um, but, you know, I don't think they really are at odds. So I, so I think that there is a conversation that, that has to be had here about safe and responsible use mm -hmm. of the technology. I, so from my perspective, I, and I, I sort of joked about being a Brit, I've never really understood the, the gun culture mm -hmm. that you mm -hmm. have in the States. Um, and I, it really concerns me just the idea of putting things in people's hands that are designed to kill people. Right. That said, I don't think the issue here is one of guns are bad, they've got to be banned. But the issue here is how do you develop both a culture mm -hmm. and a political frame or policy framework and a society that ensures mm -hmm. that, that these technologies are used safely and responsibly including as new technological capabilities come along. Right. So, for instance, if you look at 3D printed guns, I'm not sure the debate should be around how do we ban this and how do we prevent it happening, right. but how do we 
ensure that not only this technology, but other emerging technologies are developed in a responsible way so people don't automatically go off and start illicitly creating or printing guns mm -hmm. or printing guns even legally sure. that can actually cause a lot of harm. Right, exactly. And there's a lot of similarity, I think, with the DIY bio community. Right, and, right. Um, you know, of course, my family, we were just re-watching Mission Impossible 2. And you can, we can have a robust conversation about whether or not that was wise or useful, you know, well, expenditure Well, being, being the worst one in the series, probably not, but... But, you know, it was the one where a, uh, you know, the Chimera virus was right. manufactured in order to drive sales of a vaccine right. and blah, 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 blah. And we recently had a conversation um, like this... Um, uh, around the DIY bio community and this notion of, uh, you know, we should let the community self-police. They're actually quite good at it, right. though that that's an acknowledgement that there could be a bad actor who, you know, a, a mad genius or what have you, yep. that creates some, you know, a lethal aerosolized virus, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I and I was telling you, sharing with you before we started recording, that I found a paper, uh, a white paper from May of 2013 by Daniel Castro, and it was published by the Information Technology and Innovation Foundation. One of the things that he called for around. Uh, uh, the paper is called Should Government Regulate Illicit Uses of 3D Printing? And it was talking about 3D printing firearms. And one of the things that he said is, uh, you know, encourage voluntary actions by internet stakeholders and don't try to stop innovation. Um, so, you know, I think there's something to that. And it feels like that maybe isn't enough. I, so I, I'm sure it isn't enough, but I think that this is important. And it's important because what you're doing is you're building a, a culture of responsibility. So mm -hmm. you, you take this ability to take a, a 3D printer and I, it's hard to tell how expensive of a printer you need at the moment, but the chances are that something between $500 and $1,000 will allow you to print the components of one of these guns. So it's pretty mm -hmm. accessible. Sure. Um, but if you build a culture where the people that decide that they're going to do this mm -hmm. have an understanding of what their responsibility is here, what can go wrong both um, in terms of them using the firearm, mm -hmm. but also how that's going to be used with other people. Right. That, I think, gets you a long way towards ensuring that the technology is not used in ways which are going to be harmful and nefarious. But it doesn't cover everything. You're obviously always going to have those actors that intentionally use the technology for harm. Sure. But what you do is by developing that culture, you make it harder for them to operate. And then if mm -hmm. you augment that with appropriate policy, mm -hmm. you can then create an environment where it's much harder for people to use this type of technology for harm, mm -hmm. but you don't stifle the technology of 3D printing and innovation around it. That makes good sense. Um, it makes good sense to me. Um, now, the way that I think about that is that already the extant gun culture in America is comprised of the vast majority of gun owners in America are fall into that sort of safe and responsible category, right, right. it's clear that the vast majority of gun owners in America are not using their firearms on a daily basis to 
that, that, that's and right. So kill people. But, but then, if you look at the the sort of edge cases, if you like, which mm-hmm. are important, mm-hmm. there's obviously um, accidental use. Mm-hmm. So you've got children having access of to course. these. Of course. You've got unintended um, discharge, mm-hmm. um, which causes injury and death. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, you've got the people that intentionally. Um, amass these firearms with the intent of, of killing people. Right. And as you say, I, if you look at the overall statistics, those uses aren't huge and the deaths mm-hmm. from them in terms of overall um, ownership aren't huge, mm-hmm. but they have a profound societal impact. Absolutely. So, so then, I, to me, there are, there are two questions. One is, does this technology significantly enhance the ability of those three groups to cause harm? Yeah. Um, and that's actually an important question because it may be that we think it will, but it won't. Sure. But so one of the points that was made, I just I pulled up an, a piece today from the Arizona Republic, AZ Central, uh, and it talked about um, one of the points that they made that, you know, maybe we shouldn't all be freaking out about this so much, is they said, you know, most 3D printed firearms can only A, withstand a few shots, and B, aren't very accurate uh, to boot and so which is actually the language that they use Um, but but uh, there's a lot of history of technology of technologies that in first second and third iterations were didn't last very long and weren't very accurate and now but it can improve and I and so I I actually do have some quite serious concerns here, some of which have been aired in in previous episodes. Mm -hmm. Um, But to me, some of the interesting context here is people have been able to make their own guns for a long time, DIY firearms. So, and even now, just by mail ordering the bits to make a gun, it's far easier than than printing your own. So Mm -hmm. so that's important context here. We're looking at real tale with 3D printed um, guns. That's right. Um, And then, as you say, they're not reliable. They could fire a few rounds. Mm -hmm. The chances are you're going to create something where you've got something slightly wrong in the printing. And the person that's most likely to be injured is you as the, the person trying to fire sure, it. Sure, Which is actually, that's pretty serious if you've, say, got teenagers who are doing this in your garage. Exactly. Absolutely. So, uh, yeah, a few things. And at the end of the day, you know, yes, it is a, the likelihood of somebody, you know, losing life or limb is small. It's rare. But here's one, you know, in in medicine and in nursing, we we talk about risk. And of course, Mm -hmm. we talk about risk quite a lot. Um, You know, if you talk about the risks of something going wrong in a procedure or a surgery and you say, oh, it's it's very small. It's, you know, one tenth of one percent. Well, that's fine. But if it happens to you, it's 100 percent. That's exactly it. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think that with the, you know, risk of injury or death related to a firearm um, and related to a faulty piece of technology um, being printed in this DIY manner. Well, you know, yeah, it may be a low risk, but that risk is 100%. And, but it's 100% plus for that individual because it's also, it's so charged for a family and That's for right. loved ones and yep. friends. Um, you know, the, the future trauma related to uh, a firearm related trauma is so 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 deeply that, that's you know, right so felt. so that's probably my top concern here mm-hmm. and there I think there's a very strong argument for, for groups that are pro the responsible use of firearms yes. taking a very active role in mm-hmm. ensuring that the 
this technology is safe. Mm-hmm. I actually think I mean, there's been a lot of talk about even banning the access to plans for how yes. to, to build these. I actually, I don't think that that goes very far for a number of reasons. One is, once you've got digital information out there, it's incredibly hard to police it. Of course. It's far more effective to put policies and guidelines and procedures in place Mm -hmm. that ensure that whatever people do get access to is Mm -hmm. used as safely and responsibly as possible. Yes. And that includes if people are, I, I use teenagers. Teenagers, I think, are a great example because if they've got a chance of doing something just because it's interesting and fun, somebody's going to try and do it. Sure. So there, the, the organizations and the people that are invested in responsible use of mm-hmm. firearms, I think they have an incredible responsibility yeah. to ensure that anybody that is playing with this technology actually takes it deadly seriously and so. learns how to do it responsibly. Right. And so with this, with anything, we're not going to get 100% of the actors right. uh, you know, under the umbrella and policed. It, I think it's relevant to point out that that in federal law, there already is the Undetectable Firearms Act that was right. passed yes. in 1998 yep. that prohibits the use of a completely plastic gun. Now, there are, of course, many available materials for 3D printing um, that fall into the category of plastics and non-plastics. So I would imagine that this sort of... Um, you know, there are ways to circumvent and, it. Right, right. And, and the way that that particular um, law has been circumvented is that the, the current plans actually include the inclusion of a piece of metal yes. in the gun, so it is actually detectable yes. in a very specific way. So at no yes. point in its manufacturer are you contravening the law. Right. And the other thing that this reminds me of, the pr- there is a proposed assault ban or assault weapons ban mm-hmm. in, in Congress in both houses right now. Um, And the way that it's written is basically, when I looked at it, it appears to be a laundry list of makes and models of firearms. And I thought, this is not thoughtful policy. And it reminds me of in, you know, the healthcare world, when we talk about end of life decision making and uh, living wills. There was a time when living wills, and many of them still are, was basically a menu of options that you would check off. You know, I want to be intubated. I want intravenous fluids. I want to be intubated, but without intravenous fluids, which is not a thing, by the way. Um, But, you know, there was this like a menu, like Mm -hmm. you were at a buffet. And I just thought, this is not the way to create this type of policy for somebody to consider at the end of their life. And I think it's also not the way to consider policy that is related to the regulation of emerging and evolving technologies. I couldn't agree more. So one area that I'm actually working in is the area of agile governance Mm -hmm. and and the idea that technology doesn't stand still. Technology moves really fast. Yes. And if you have set in stone policies like the checklist, they'll be out of date before the ink's dry. Exactly. So you've got to have agility there. You've got to have um, policies that are able to actually track and adapt to Mm -hmm. emerging capabilities. Yes. So Andrew, does that mean bigger government? Oh, goodness me. I, I think that that's the wrong question. It means effective government. Mm-hmm. I mean, that might mean big, it might mean small. Mm-hmm. But you've got to have government of whatever size having it, um, having government with the capability to understand what's coming down the pike mm-hmm. and putting smart policies in place mm-hmm. that are adaptable to whatever crazy new invention or idea that people come up with. 
Um, and you can probably do that with less bureaucrats. But I don't think it's a question of big or small. It's a question of smart or dumb. Well, I think I think you're right. And of course, the bigger small question is what gets thrown around that's, that's in right. you know media and not even you know proper journalism, but really opinion ma- masquerading right, as right, proper right. journalism. Um, and and yeah. of course, I mean, sort of what what big is a proxy for is controlling government. Government that tells right. you when you can walk, when you have to sit, etc. Right. Um, and again, if you look at a, a country that is built on innovation and entrepreneurship. Mm-hmm. Um, within a culture of entrepreneurship, mm-hmm. you have to be very careful coming up with rigid rules. For one thing, it, it stifles innovation. And for another thing, rigid rules break very yes. fast. Yes. Well, that's right. And, you know, one of the things that we saw um, uh, in the last couple of years now, since we've been, um, you know, existing within this new administration in the White House is... Um, uh, there has been, or there was early on in 2017, attention to regulation in this extremely regulated environment that mm-hmm, we have mm-hmm. um, across, frankly, every industry. And, uh, you know, a move by the executive branch to say, oh, well, we're going to cut the regulations in half. And, right. you know, one of the things that people ask me about, um, you know, as I walk through the world is, well, you know, what do you think Donald Trump is doing that's good? And one of the things that I always say because it's true is that I think that the idea of doing a very complete audit of all of the regulations at the federal level is quite wise because there are so many industries that have been regulated in such a piecemeal crazy quilt fashion that all of the regulations butt up against each other. So I I, I would agree apart from to to counter that I think if you look at the previous few administrations, they've tried to do that. They've actually gone through and tried to work out what's redundant. And I'm not convinced the current administration is doing this in a systematic way, oh, rather than just looking at the list in arbitrary sort of redlining. A hundred percent. Which have, is not a good idea. I have very, very <laughs> little faith that they right. are doing any kind of audit in a systematic way that as a scientist, I would right, feel right. comfortable but with. By but by default, more, in, more regulation is not good. Yeah. Um, smart innovation is so you yeah. innov- you regulate sorry innovation regulation you regulate where you need to regulate to ensure that, that people are safe mm-hmm. that there are boundaries on what mm-hmm. they do but society isn't impeded yeah. on actually doing stuff that's going to be beneficial so outcomes focused mm-hmm. regulation yes. right outcomes focused legislation so back to this particular case mm-hmm. of 3D printed uh, weapons um Can we reconcile the notion that the community ought to, for lack of a better term, police itself and smart regulation? I'm not sure I like the idea of policing itself because I think that there is is a much broader social responsibility. Mm -hmm. It's not up to a smaller community to make decisions that are going to to affect a larger community. But I think that that self-regulation is part of a much broader um, system of, mm-hmm. of governance um, approaches. Interesting. So, so if you combine um, sort of self-regulation within the, the gun-owning 
community, mm-hmm. responsible gun owning community, yes, um, with a changing culture mm-hmm. that really looks at, at safe and responsible use before anything else, mm-hmm. um, within a government policy framework that puts hard barriers on what you can and you cannot do, yes, but allows quite a lot of freedom there, yes. Um, then you've got a system for being able to, I think, make some sort of progress. Right. Exactly. Me. Uh, I think that's exactly right. Uh, sorry for the interruption. I think that's exactly right. And um, uh, but uh, here's what I, you know, I always want to be able to take care of, you know, everybody and every last person right, right, and mitigate right. all of the risk. And so I, but I, I'm starting to resign myself to this idea that ooh, there might not be a way to mitigate all of the risk. But, but right, but. It's, it's helpful to get down to specifics here. So mm-hmm. just look at this ability for somebody using a home device mm-hmm. to create a gun where no gun existed before using right. a, a digital data file from mm-hmm. the internet. So there are multiple components to this. There's mm-hmm. um, the, the data, the plans that allow you to print the gun. Mm-hmm. There's the printer itself. There's the materials that go into it, that. And then there are bullets that yes. come into this yes. as well. So you look at that, that sort of line it is, despite what people are trying to do at the moment, it is incredibly hard to regulate data. It's yeah. hard for the government to say, you are not allowed to post how to do something on right. the internet. Right, of course. And there are really serious constitutional issues around There that. are, of course. And, yes. and uh, you know, I think that, um, listen, we're here yeah. in Arizona where there exists a strong libertarian streak. Right. And right. I am a native of Arizona, and so I just accept that there is, like, there's a, a little undercurrent right, of that right. in me. And I always want to reconcile that and and so what I grapple with is um, I do not like guns and Mm -hmm. I really wish I lived in a a society that didn't revere guns yes and yet at the same time I find it very hard to say that just because I don't want guns people shouldn't have guns yeah and that's a very very sort of big dichotomy there yeah oh I agree a hundred percent and at the end of the day I always come back to you know the the example of the ACLU Mm -hmm. and uh, I am so grateful for the work that the ACLU does including when they do things like defend white supremacists' rights to free speech. We're going everywhere with this. Well, yeah, yeah. this is... And, and well, listen, this is what happens when right, we talk right. about uh, firearms, when we talk about gun violence, and when we talk about liberty in this American context. Yes. Um, so at the end of the day, yeah, mm, I think that the overarching um, project of America... Yeah. Uh, <sighs> It's it's imperfect by design. Right. Is that right? Partly, I think yes. It's I mean it's um, it's an experiment in progress. Um, so yes. so there's there are always going to be sort of ugly bits of it, bits that need to be smoothed out and polished off and sort of built up. It's mm-hmm. not a finished product. Well, it's not a finished product, and I think that that goes along with being a really fertile environment for right. innovation to happen in, because of course, innovation is by definition never a finished product. And, and that actually sort of um, brings us back to thinking about how do you approach this? Because one of the things here is if you've got innovation, in this case in firearms, mm-hmm. you've also got to have innovation in how we think even 
about developing and using it responsibly right. and how an innovation in, in the policies around it. You can't use old thinking with new technologies here. Mm-hmm. So, I, and just thinking through this, so I, I said I don't think you can do much with the actual data access mm-hmm. to the information. So the next bit is the printing. Yes. So that, that comes to intent. If somebody actually mm-hmm. takes information and intentionally makes a firearm that yes. could kill someone, how do you then begin to either regulate intent, which is tough, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. or modulate intent so you build a culture where it's less likely that people are going to be doing this? And how do you even understand that intent? Because there's something very different from a teenager who thinks, this is really cool, I'm going to make a gun, mm-hmm. versus a terrorist who says, I'm going to make a gun to intentionally kill somebody. Exactly. But exactly. the end result of both of those might be the same. Yeah. So then how do you sort of work within that environment? And then, just before I forget this, the last little bit, which always intrigues me, is the bullets that nobody talks about. That's right. I was just going to uh, yes, say, and right. this is how we know we've been doing this for a long time. Right. I was just going to say, what about the bullets? Because, because you need those in well, order that's right. to... And, yeah, and yeah. It always blows my mind that you can walk into Walmart or sort of any of these large stores and just buy these things I know. that are just a device designed to kill, waiting for something to actuate Sure. It. And I have friends who talk about, you know, oh, I remember Sunday afternoons when we would, you know, refill the casings. Right. Um, you know, my dad had the machine that did the thing and the thing. I don't actually have never used one of those machines. I don't know how they work. Right. But I understand that y- you can kind of make your and, own. And, yeah. And, and this is where it gets really interesting to me. So once you've got the bullets, mm-hmm. you can create something around that which mm-hmm. fires it, actuates yes. it. Yes. And so that's obviously what you're doing with a, a more traditional gun. Mm-hmm. It's what you're doing with a 3D printed gun. You're yes. basically just creating a device that will fire that mm-hmm. bullet. You can do it by making a hole in a piece of wood and whacking it with a hammer. You right. can create a zip gun just with a, a, a piece of tubing, an mm-hmm. elastic band, and a mm-hmm. nail. Mm-hmm. There are many, many innovative ways in yes. which you can fire a bullet. Yes. You could even create something using a 3D printer that looks absolutely nothing like a gun sure. and yet will still fire a bullet. Yes. So how do you deal with that? And that actually brings us to two questions. One is, how do we deal with these things at the, the center of a firearm, a gun? And mm-hmm. secondly, what is a gun in the first place? If you make oh, something yeah, yeah, yeah. which doesn't yeah. even look like a gun but can still fire a bullet, is it a gun? Is it a gun? Well, I don't know if we're going to answer that question today. <laughs> Though it is, I mean, it's. Ob- I, I think it's useful to think about and gets us back to the the thinking about how do we, you know, write regulations? Right, how do we craft right. legislation? And I think we will have to leave that for <laughs> a different day. When is a gun not a gun? I don't know. Right. I don't know. Thank you, Andrew. Thank you, Heather. All right. For more where that came from, check out the School for the Future of Innovation and Society at sfis.asu.edu. Future Out Loud is produced with the support of the School for the Future of Innovation and Society and the Risk Innovation Lab at ASU. Mark Van Hare created our music. Esmeralda Parker is our production assistant. Our website is futureoutloud.org. Subscribe to Future Out Loud on iTunes or SoundCloud or wherever you get your fine podcasts.